do this, not that. This is Industry Focus. Thanks for tuning in to Industry Focus, Healthcare Edition. I'm your host, Christine Hargis, and I'm joined by Motley Fool Healthcare Specialist, Todd Campbell. Today, we want to do something a little bit different. Uh, we want to talk about investing smartly in trends. The healthcare sector is packed with companies doing new, exciting things, and there's a lot of hype around certain new classes of drugs and new approaches to treating major diseases. But competition is fierce. So, as an investor, how do you know where to put your money? You spot this trend, you say, wow, that looks really promising. But how do you find a specific company that is going to be the best bang for your buck? So, we're going to dive into the medical marijuana market a little bit later in this episode. But first, let's talk about some companies that are in the diabetes space. Diabetes is a disease that affects approximately 29 million Americans, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. That's 9.3% of the American population. And that number is expected to grow, too. It's estimated to reach around as high as 387 million around the globe now and grow by 2035 to 592 million patients. So, Todd, Kick us off. If you're looking at this space and you say, gee, that looks like it has a lot of promise as an investor, where would you look to put your money? I think diabetes is one of the most interesting and potentially you know, profit-friendly, if you will, areas for investors to be considering um, in healthcare. And you know, there's a lot of reasons that the prevalence of diabetes is, is rising. You know, obviously, you've got a lot of emerging markets are getting wealthier. Access to food is improving. Um, you could argue that you know, we, we're living more sedentary lifestyles, whatnot. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, you know, the International Diabetes Federation, you know, estimates that there are 387 million people worldwide with this disease. And that that number is going to grow by about 205 million people. I mean, that's that's astonishing in the next 20 years. That's that's uh, two thirds of the population of the United States in global growth for this. So, I think that that's attracted a lot of investors to say, "Hey, you know, this is a, a massive market, and if if we can invest in companies that are improving outcomes, that are reducing the chance of uh, diabetes-related disease, like." heart disease, for example, um, you know, that's just smart investing. You know, let's find companies that that could disrupt the market as we see it today. Uh, And I think that that's a big reason why a lot of people flock to, you know, one company that you and I talk a lot about in the past, um, which is Mankind. Yeah, there is so much hope behind Mankind, who has developed this inhalable insulin called Afrezza, which was finally approved by the FDA in 2014. It's being marketed by Sanofi, which sounds like that would be a really promising marketing partner because Sanofi was the maker of the multi-billion dollar long-lasting insulin, Lantus. So Sanofi begins their marketing, and it is nothing short of disappointing. You've got Q1 sales when it first got into the market of 1 million euro, which is about 1.1 million US dollars. Q2 comes around, you've got the entire quarter on the market, and they only sell 2 million. And so on one hand, it's like, oh man, it doubled. But still, these are really, really tiny numbers. $2.2 million. It's just not even close (laughs) to what people had hoped for this drug. Yeah, it's nothing. I mean, people were thinking that that 
that patients would flock to doctor's offices to, to be able to cast aside the decades-long reliance on injecting insulin. Um, you know, Afrez obviously is inhalable insulin, it's, it's quick acting, um, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I guess, concern that, you know, if insulin, injectable insulin is working right, well right now, why do I want to go ahead and be inhaling insulin into my lungs and, and potentially taking on some risks associated with that? So I think that there were, you know, pie in the sky hopes associated with a Fresa going in because it is a, a potentially disruptive drug uh, in, in looking at the way um, uh, insulin is dosed. But the reality is that, you know, great ideas don't always translate to commercial successes. And I think what the, the message or the takeaway there for investors is that, you know, when it comes to finding and exploiting these big trends, like in this case, diabetes, try not to focus on companies that have just one iron in the fire, one drug, one promising uh, solution. Doing so exposes you to, to a tremendous amount of risk. You know, there are plenty of great companies out there working on uh, next generation diabetes treatment that investors can consider. You know, if you get the granddaddy of them all, Novo Nordisk, you know, that's the market share leader in diabetes care. Um, you know, they make insulin that's short time, short lasting, rapid, uh, long lasting, you name it, they make it. Um, they control about 28% roughly of the whole of, of all diabetes uh, treatment uh, globally. And, you know, if you really want to play you know, the long-term 20-year trend in rising diabetes prevalence, you know, focusing on a big company like that can make a lot of sense. Yeah. And the interesting thing about Novo is you don't find a lot of companies of their size that are pure plays. And yeah, I mean, they, they do have some other irons in the fire. They dabble a bit in hemophilia. They've got some growth hormone therapy, but they're really a diabetes powerhouse. And they've done great. I mean, mostly their their key drug is called Victoza. They recently have this this new higher dosage version of Victoza that's being marketed as, as Sexenda for obesity. They just seem to really know what they're doing to work with this established dominance, uh, this group of drugs that has been absolutely excellent for them, and improve upon them and, and really be able to compete in this market. Right. You know, they get 80 percent of their sales from diabetes. So, I mean, this is uh, this is it's not a pure play on diabetes, but it's, it's pretty darn close. And, you know, I think what's exciting about what, what they're doing is that, you know, they have so many different research programs going on right now. that could change the way um, the, the diabetes, the, you know, is 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 treated in the outcomes, et cetera. But one of the most exciting things, and this is something that I think people should bear in mind. To consider is you know the ability to translate turn turn insulin into a tablet. You know they're working on two different drugs that would allow you to take your insulin rather than through via injection as a tablet. And while inhaling insulin is maybe an improvement over injecting insulin, a tablet has got to be the uh, the holy grail, if you will, in delivery for insulin. You know, and that's another thing that makes investing in this trend a little bit tricky is because you're not quite sure who's going to come out with this next latest completely revolutionary way of treating diabetes. And so I want to bring up one more name in this space that I think could 
continue to be yeah. really, really profitable and a really good company, even yeah. if the way that we treat diabetes starts to change. And that's because these guys are actually a device maker. So they're called Dexcom. And they produce and sell this product called a continuous glucose monitor. So basically, it's designed to show patients what their glucose level is constantly. So you don't just get one single reading every time you check. You can actually get a trend, you know, see, oh, is the line going up? Is the line going down? And these guys are expanding pretty rapidly. I mean, they've got partnerships with Google. Uh, Their life sciences team is working on making this tiny cloud-connected glucose sensor that's the size of a bandage. And uh, talk about convenience right there. I mean, the Dexcom's main driver right now that they're they're looking to do is ease the the burden on patients who are trying to monitor their glucose levels. Um, They're going to be linked up with the Apple Watch. They uh, have monitoring integration with the Apple iPhone. This system will be available on Android eventually, probably next year, I would say. Um, And one of the really interesting things about it is, about this company, is that it's got a razor and blades model. So they sell this kit and you've got the monitor itself, but then you need to keep buying sensors, and one only lasts for seven days. So to me, this looks like a really good way of, of capturing part of this growing diabetes market. I mean, it's a more concentrated risk than maybe your Novo Nordis, but I don't know. What do you think, Todd? I love the company. You know, I, I've, I've owned it in the past. I'm not currently invested in it, um, and, and I'm kind of wishing that I was. I'll, I may have to revisit it. Um, you know, Dexcom, as you mentioned, you know, it's it's something that everybody can benefit from. A significant number of patients um, don't have their glucose blood sugar uh, levels under control. And at any given point in any given point of day, you're either high or you're low, and you don't even know it. Oftentimes, you know, you're delivering insulin after the fact. So being able to have something that's showing you real time, almost like an interday chart for us investors, what's going on with your blood uh, sugar levels, it, it could really, really improve uh, patients' ability to um, uh, administer their insulin correctly. And that is really important because that can reduce these, you know, the progression of the disease to, uh, toward, you know, heart disease and some of these other things that can lead to, uh, unfortunately, to, to death. Yeah, and this will definitely be an interesting space to watch going forward. Let's pivot a little bit. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, we want to talk about medical marijuana which is approved for le- for legal medical reasons in 23 states. You've also got four states and the District of Columbia that have approved marijuana for just recreational use for adults. And it, the trend is certainly going upward as far as the percentage of people who approve of marijuana either being legalized recreationally or medically. And so it seems like this is an industry that investors would be smart to get in on now. And there is so much hype around it. But what we want to explore today is, is there a good way of investing in this industry? Yeah, I mean, we look at, I think that a lot of people look at the marijuana industry and they think, well, look at what Reynolds and Philip Morris did with tobacco. You know, can you imagine being one of the first investors in Reynolds or being one of the first investors in Philip Morris? You start thinking that way and you're like, wow, this is really exciting. I've got to go out and I've got to find, you know, these companies that are in Colorado that are are growing in, in, in either wholesaling or retailing, um, you know, either medical or legal cannabis. And I, I think that while that is, um, y- you know, I think that while people are right in saying, you know, getting in early on a trend that's likely to continue growing the way, you know, marijuana adoption is growing. 
Uh, I think that that's, that's smart to be thinking that way. I, there's a big risk in going out and trying to buy these fledgling players, um, especially since so many of them are listed on the pink sheets. And for you know, listeners, viewers who aren't familiar with the pink sheets, it's not an exchange. You know, it's really just a listing of of this is how much you can buy this shares in this company for. This is how much you can sell them for. It's an unregulated market, which means that any company can get on the pink sheets. Um, you know, you could end up with a shell company that's essentially worthless. You could end up with a uh, an inability to to sell the shares when push comes to shove. If if you need to get out of it, there's a lot of risks associated with these pink sheet companies, and I I really worry that a lot of investors who are interested in 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 pursuing you know. Uh, you know, building a portfolio of marijuana stocks are focusing a lot too much attention on these names. Yeah, when you look at these micro cap marijuana stocks, it's definitely a danger zone. I mean, so at the Molly Fool, we hold ourselves to a rule where we don't talk about anything too small because we don't want even the possibility of affecting a securities price. And maybe I'm just flattering myself on the popularity of our podcast, but hey. Rules are still rules. But there are two companies that I won't mention by name, but we used to talk about them back before their market caps fell completely under our limit. And it just looking at what has happened to them since makes me want to like bang my head against a wall for people that are considering putting their money in these stocks. I mean, one of these companies was late with their SEC filings three out of the last four quarters. And then another one, filed their 10Q for the first quarter of 2014, and then released a statement in June saying, oh, wait, that was wrong. Yeah, we had this mistake, and it was material, meaning it was a big deal. So just sit tight, and we're going to be redoing our statements. So how, as an investor, are you supposed to trust these companies and put your money behind them when they don't even know the state of their own finances? You can't. I mean, you're going to, you have hundreds and hundreds of operators out there who are all moving in and trying to capture a part of this market. There will be winners and losers, okay? And right now, um, I think the odds are that you're going to have far more losers than you will winners. So I think what makes more sense is rather than focusing on the pink sheets and these small unproven players, is if you really want to you know, have some exposure to the basket, to consider those marijuana companies that are actually developing drugs on an FDA-approved pathway. Um, and there are two companies that are working on marijuana therapies that investors might want to consider, GW Pharma and Insys. Both have robust research programs that are dedicated to finding therapies that um, are, are based upon the cannabinoids or the chemical cannabinoids that are within marijuana. You know, THC is the psychoactive component of marijuana. And there's already a marijuana drug based on THC that's been on the market since the 80s called Marinol. So, I mean, there is some evidence that shows that, you know, you can, you can develop drugs, prove their efficacy, prove their safety through clinical trials, clear the FDA hurdles, and then once they reach the market, they can become strong top sellers. So, you know, both GW Pharma and Insys pose their own set of risks. They're certainly not risk-free, but they definitely don't have the same level or sort of risk that are associated with the marijuana stocks that are trading on the pink sheets. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree that if you're looking for a marijuana stock, quote-unquote, 
these two are probably your best bets, even though Insys isn't quite a marijuana stock. I mean, yes, they have marijuana research, but that's not their bread and butter. Whereas GW Pharma is definitely, I would say, qualifies as a marijuana stock. And for me, this industry is just too risky. But if that's the trend that you're going after, then yeah, the takeaway is at least go for some of these bigger companies that are trading on reputable exchanges that you can at least trust their financial statements. Exactly. And, you know, the other thing on both of these companies, you know, anything can happen, right? Clinical trials fail all the time. You know, 90% of every drug that goes into phase one is likely to end up in a dustbin rather than on a pharmacy shelf. So you can't put too much stock in a phase one result or phase two result. You really have to just be patient, let these drugs work their way through the pipeline into the FDA. Um, but it is good to know that these both these companies, um, you know, they're well, uh, they've got cash on the books. Um, they're not heavily indebted. So they do have money that, can, that they can, are using for these uh, research programs. Uh, and they're not likely to go bankrupt anytime soon. So that, that's a positive. But like you said, this is a very risky uh, area to be trafficking. So make sure that if marijuana investing is something that intrigues you, you're keeping it very small. You're only putting a small portion of your money uh, to work in that space. Yeah. So I guess that kind of brings up that there are two levels of consideration here. You want to pick what trends are the ones that, that you find most interesting and are suitable for your risk tolerance. And then once you have your trends identified, then you can dig down a little bit more into specific companies. And so maybe in the end, the two things that we've talked about today, diabetes and marijuana, maybe they aren't the trends that are calling out to you. But hopefully you can use some of the same type of thinking that Todd and I have been through today to guide you towards the best investments in whatever trend you're looking at. At, whether it's Obamacare, healthcare reform, uh, immuno-oncology, personalized medicine, there are so many different trends within the healthcare sector and outside of it, too. So whenever you're looking to invest in any up-and-coming trend, just always be on the watch for how much hype is baked into the valuation and be mindful of just how much of a pure play that you're looking for. And if you are interested in either of the two trends that we've talked about today, then take a deeper look. Do, do a deeper dive on your Dexcoms or your incises of, of, of the world. Um, as always, though, and people on the program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about. The Motley Fool could have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell based solely on what you hear. Go ahead. Do your own research. Have fun with it. They're both really, really intriguing spaces to dig into. And let us know if you have any questions about what you come up with, any better ideas for investing in these sectors or, di or uh, different trends that you're looking at that you think could be better opportunities. Thanks, Todd, as always. And listeners, thanks for being with us today. We'll talk to you next week.